This is the uh, uh, our summer in the Psalms. Psalms, uh, and we'll be be uh, moving to a an Old Testament study study from here. We're kind of loud up up here here on the mic. There we go. All right, Psalm Psalm fifty eight. If you stand, if you're able, and I'll read the Word of God. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes today, that we might that we might handing of what you have for us today, that they would be more than just the words on the page, page, but they would trade our heart, cut deep within us, that we would understand how as you call us to live, what we pray for, and how you how you pray this in, pray this in Christ's name, Amen. Psalm 58, 58, title is a little bit strange, the choir master according to do not destroy. Now, now we think, I'll look at this a little bit more, we think that's the, that's the name of which is kind of ironic given what David is praying, so you'll see. Uh, verse 1, do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Do you judge the children of man uprightly? No, in hearts you devise wrongs. Your hands deal out violence on earth. The wicked are changed from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like the, like the deaf F adder ups its ears. So it does not hear the voice of charmer, charmers or of the enchanter. Oh God, break the teeth of their mouths, mouths tear hands of the young lions, O oh Lord. Let them vanish like water that runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime, like the stillborn child who never sees the sun. The sun. Sooner than your pots can feel the heat of thorns, whether green or green or lays, may sweep them away. The righteous will rejoice when he sees vengeance. He will bathe his feet in the wicked. Mankind, mankind, surely there is a reward for, reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges. Judges. This is God, God's inspired word for us today. So please be, please be seated. Character, or the lack thereof, will determine an individual's conduct. It will come out one way, one way or now, it has been thought and, and disproved, uh, I think, recently in the last 20 or 30 years that the private lives of political leaders don't really matter. It's just how they govern. Govern What a man or a woman is and a woman is and will eventually see external action. It will come out of their lives. And this psalm deals, deals with those things. And this, uh, I, warn, I warn you ahead of time, this is most political school psalm. Because the people he is addressing, addressing are leaders, they are the political leaders of his day. Okay, now this is still Saul's chasing him down, and, and he is uh, writing about the corruption that he sees in the leaders, the societal leaders of his, of his nation. Now in our country, we like to think that all of our elected leaders are moral and upright men and right men and women who desire nothing more than the greater good of those that they serve and the populace that elected them. Such was the hope of our fathers as well. Well, not only for the elected leaders, but also but also for us as well. John, well, John Adams said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. 
James Madison, that our Constitution requires sufficient virtue, virtue among man government. Otherwise, less than the chains of despotism can restrain them from destroying and devouring and one another. I don't know offhand of James Madison's faith, faith, but he understood the total depravity of mankind as he talks about that. That. So the founding fathers knew that government shaped by culture would ultimately result in de- despotism. A virtuous people would courageously defend the, right, the rights in de- by their creator. But a fearful people would readily cede those rights in exchange for a fleeting sense of security. Robert George, who's the director of the James Madison Program in American Ideals and Institutions at Princeton, explains that statement. People lacking in virtue could be, could be counted to trade liberty for protection, trade liberty for financial or pers- personal security, or trade liberty for comfort for com- having their problems solved quick, quickly. There will always be people occupying or standing public office who, who will be happy for the deal. Okay. Relinquish your freedoms, freedoms, and we take care of you. From the cradle to the grave, just relinquish your freedoms. Well, the term ethics is defined as moral principles that govern a person's behavior. Now, uh, my daughter Abby, who, who's recently graduated from law school, law school, when one of the classes that she had was a class, was a class on ethics, and she said, "Why in the world do law students need a class on ethics?" She found out on the very first discussion of the very first class, and it was clear clear that the students all had ethics, but they were ethics of their own own make and of their own desire. They had nothing to do with the ethics that we would see as right or wrong, right or wrong in the world. This had made them up themselves. That's why they had a class like that. Like that, one would that that would not not apply in seminary. But I knew a seminary seminary professor who was married to a former student, with whom he had an he had an affair while married his first wife. Later, he divorced his second wife to marry another student with whom he was having an affair. That's a professor of ethics at the seminary. Just in case you you missed that. Okay? In Psalm 58, David is, David is lamenting, lamenting and calling, and calling for the same time the wickedness and injustice of the rulers, rulers today. leaders whose character and actions do not represent lives, lives steeped in God or what we would call today, today the Judeo-Christian ethic. And expect political leaders and judges to adhere to or demonstrate a certain standard of morals and ethics in, a, in accord with the law. But we all wonder how lifelong politicians become so rich, how they, how they can afford houses and all the other thing, things, and, and often end up in the top 2% of the United States. How's that possible? possible? Unfortunately, the study looked at show that most people take it for, gra- for granted. Long-term politicians will gain, quote, more than the average amount of, we- of wealth in their time of public service. And the key word, key word there is service. So in Psalm 58, David is simply not, not willing to accept such sin as normal for those who lead or for populace as well. No one else in society should have, should have bad ethics, he's saying. Psalm 58 is a particular protest against the evil he saw in Israel, especially in the unrighteous judges who deliberately pervert justice. 
gave judgments that favored the rich and the well-connected and their friends and and benefit them personally. Hence David's call to God to break their, break their and let them vanish. These are hard words. Okay, hard words. Hard words. The imprecatory psalms. And, and as I mentioned at, the, mentioned at the start, it went to the tune, as best we can tell, do not destroy. destroy. Yet it is a, the destruction of these individuals. I, I didn't write the tune, so I don't know. So David asked, asked God to tear out the things of his enemies, blunt their arrows, melt them like a snail in the sun. Those are pretty Im- Im- vivid images of what David would, David would like God to do. What David says he is good, he is good, but what he is calling upon God, God to do. He's not asking God to censor them, to put them on the legislative naughty, naughty list. Don't let them get reelected. David wants them destroyed. He wants, he wants them destroyed. He wants the Lord to act in a fashion by which the wicked rulers will feel, feel pain, lose their power, and die. That's, pre- that's pretty serious prayer. We have some trouble with psalms like these, the imprecatory psalms. Jesus has said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. With those words too, obviously. So can Christians ever pray Psalm 58? And not, not just perfunctory, but the mean, the destruction of those who are, who are unjust, the destruction of those who go against God's law. Yes, I, I, think, I think we can type of prayer. When, when the ethics of our leaders um, um, fail to ethics of equality and justice for all, law, make, law, make laws that favor graphics at the expense of of other sections of the populace when they break laws or do things that move the country in directions that benefit them personally or are ungodly or detrimental to our nation. Now, I, I, I came across an article this week, and, and it applies here. Here, I, I don't always like to go to the political realm, but this is a cool, uh, psalm. So when can, we, when can we ever pray things? Well... The Justice, Justice Department plaint Friday, this, this was a few Fridays ago, challenge, challenging Alabama Senate SB 184, which, for, which bans transgenders for children. That's minors, children. The Justice Department considers puberty blockers for minors as a necessary medical treatment. Governor, Governor Ivey signed legislation to outlaw puberty blocking medications for, for minors. Ivy signed the anti-blocker legislation the day after the lawmakers passed the bill. Bill. So the department, I assume at the best of our administration, is suing Alabama because we have a law that says that says you you can't drug drug to children that will stop their stop their natural growth adulthood as God created them. That these are necessary necessary medications. So how should we pray about those who promote that type of thing? Well, that's obviously against what the Lord says. Now we can say, well, it's it's compassionate, or it's uh, it's just the way of just the way of today. But let's understand that's against what the Lord says. How should we pray? Should we pray in an imprecatory, scatory song? The Justice Department revival or removal? I'm good. Okay, revival or remo- or removal. Psalm 58 is not that different 
than the prayer prayed in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 6. Martyrs, O Lord, Lord, hold you. how long before you, before you will judge and avenge our blood on, on those who dwell on Here are the martyrs. They're in heaven. They're praying to the Lord. God, when, God, when are you going to kill those people who drew our blood? Is that an appropriate prayer? It's going on in heaven. I'd say there, therefore it is. So it must be possible to leave the ultimate judgment to the, to the wrath. Romans chapter 12 says that. While at the same time, loving, loving our enemies and praying for judgment and vindication. All those things, those are not mutually exclusive things. They all go, go together. So we are praying for, for God's judgment upon, upon sin. And what he promised already, he will judge. Okay? Unfor- unfortunately, not on my timetable. Okay, because I would like some judgment, judgment on sin, but he's got his plan. He's got his timetable. The psalmist doesn't say, help me kill my enemies. The saints in heaven are not saying, not saying, Lord's back so we can shed their blood. They, they all the actions in the hands of God. David, we know David is not a pacifist. Okay, he's a man of war. He's not a man of peace. He's a man of, man of war. But in an instance like instance like state, he's calling upon God, God, to take action. So both in the Old and New Testament, New Testament teach that God will judge, judge the wicked. He will vindicate his covenant, covenant people. So precatory psalms, psalms are very careful to ask, to ask for God's judgment upon the wicked. Okay? Not that we take our, uh, that judgment into our own hands, but to, but to judgment upon the wicked that he has already promised to do. Unfortunately, for we who are impatient, we want God to act now. But he's going to act at the proper time. So the, we'll touch on the, the items in particular in the psalm. Breaks down this way. Verses 1 to 2, David addresses the wicked directly. Speaks, speaks directly to them. 3 to 5, he describes what, describes what they're like. And 6, he prays that the, that the wicked would be overcome or destroyed. Destroy. 9 and 10, we have a prediction of the end of the wicked, the vindication of the righteous, and then we have a moral to the story in verse 11. So let's look through here in verses 1 and 2. Do you indeed decree what is right? right you go? Do you judge the children of man uprightly? No. These are rhetorical questions. The answer, of course, is no. In your hearts, you devise wrongs. Your hands deal out violence on earth. The wicked rulers, rulers are accused of failing to do the one, one thing that they pointed to do. Speak, judge, rightly. Rightly would mean in accordance with the, with the law of God or against, in accord, accord with their wicked plans, their selfish desire, desires. They prosper themselves, things that prosper their friends. They remain, they remain silent when they show those who have been treated unjust. They speak for the powerful against the weak. Get in view by David. Deal out violence on the earth. That's what happens. That's that's injustice. That's what David calls it. Violence upon earth. Verse five. The wicked are estranged from the womb. David, David mentioned, mentioned something about that in Psalm fifty-one as well. Well, 
They go away from birth, speak speaking lies, have venom like the venom of the venom of a serpent, deaf adder that stops its ear, so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or of the cunning enchanter. Estranged from the womb, they go astray from birth, they are unwilling to listen. The, the deafer, that's the snake, who stops its ears, the less it be it be charmed. Now I understand that. The image is much more it's charmed by the, the swaying of the flute. And the, the music is much more for our, our benefit uh, as those, those who watch it. But the illustration here, here, it doesn't charm into what is, what is right. So it lugs its ears. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. That's what, what it does. It's not uncommon for, for the Psalms to show evildoers as snakes. snakes. Okay, you have vipers. We've read that before. So David is showing that, is showing that these particular their ears closed, lest, lest they talked out of their evil, lest they be moved away from that, from that. Because people intent on evil don't like to hear other, other views. They are intent upon their plan, and they're not interested in you, in you trying to wade them from their path. So neither reason nor truth, truth, any effect upon the heart of the evil doer here. In our modern world, we might, we might identify a corrupt as one when asked, asked questions about their behavior, lashes out, lashes out at the one who, how dare you say that? I would never do something like that. And then they never answer, they never answer the question, whether they were involved in, in an activity, something they have promoted, something they have benefited themselves by, something that they have done inappropriately and unjustly. Now, there's a classic book, classic book out there, classic in the sense that, sense that society calls it classic. It's, it's Saul Linsky's Rules for Radicals. And he says, to a corrupt leader, this is how you respond. Those who challenge you. What do you mean? How could that be? How could that be? Ridicule the other person. Don't speak to the question. Attack the person. Make the, the accuser live up standard he is accusing you of not living up to. Change the narrative, something outside of the, the accusation, by turning it upon your accuser and showing their failure to live in a live in a court standard that has nothing to do with the original. With the original. Okay. In this way, way, if I'm a corrupt leader, I never have to answer to anything that I do. I just make you feel bad about about asking a question or accusing me of something. See the failings here. Things here are of the widow of no personal concern since their hearts are hardened to the truth and what is right. They oppress others. They, they close their lest they become convinced of their error. That's what David is saying. Verses 6, Oh God, and this, these are the hard images that David wants God to do. Oh God, break the teeth in their mouths Tear out the fangs of the young lions. What happens to the lion that has no fangs? Let them vanish, vanish like runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunt. Let them be, let them be like nail that dissolves into slime, like the stillborn child who never sees sees the sun. Just as an aside, when I was in Spain several years ago, I I I, I, I took of a snail or a slug it was as like it was as big as my that makes it 12 inches long okay i remember i posted on facebook and somebody said they said what is that i said a snail 
He's about, he's about to eat my foot. Okay? Uh, that big. Now, back to the, sorry, back to the, back to the thing. Lord defanged them like a lion, like a lion who hath is all roar and no bite. Like and who's all hat and no cattle. Okay? He's got nothing. Two, cause them to vanish, water that simply falls from the sky, runs off very quickly, and, and does damage. Or like vapor that just, just disappears as the sun comes out. Make their arrow no effect. A blunt arrow can't kill. A blunt arrow can't wound. Boom, boom, and off like that. Now David has prayed similar words back in 2 Samuel 16. Warring Absalom's rebellion. Absalom was his son. Uh, they didn't get along. Absalom wanted David's throne, and he was making was making uh, attempts to take it. Uh, and David prayed that the wise counsel of Ahithophel might might fall off ears and be disregarded. Okay, so that the wise counsel counsel would be guarded. So this is just the, the what happened. Happened. Absalom listens listens to the counsel of who. Disregarding Ahithophel's suggestion. Ahithophel said, Absalom, you got to go after David. He is weak now. Weak now. you got to go catch him and you got to kill him and all his mighty men. And Hushai comes up and says, I don't think it's time to attack. You need to regroup. And who did he listen to? He listened to Hushai. Because David would have been, been destroyed if he had listened to Ahithophel. See? Absalom lost his chance, chance there. Let it arrows be blunt be blunted. Things slug. Slugs don't actually melt, but if you but if you have a deck and you see one see one cross your deck, what have they left? What have they left? That little slime trail. Okay? Not, not the melting out as they out as they but they leave this trail. So, he, so he's used that as an illustration that let them melt away, like a slug that melt and leaves that trail. David is using this to describe self-destructive behavior, and he's done this, done this in other places in the Psalms. Okay, that the way that the wicked actions that ultimately destroy themselves. The Scottish theologian, theologian, that Clarence said, opposition to God's will destroys itself by its own activity. What did we learn a few a few weeks ago? Bad behavior leads to bad, bad consequences. Bad health, health, bad everything like that. Like that. Self destruction is this common image. Psalm fifty seven. They they dug a pit in my, but they fell into it. Okay, it was in my path, but they fell into it. And then five a. The stillborn child. David is praying that the lives of the wicked would be ended from the very beginning. Wicked are estranged from the womb. Back in verse 3, David is saying it's just better if the wicked revived birth. Then they should spread their wickedness around and destroy others. 9 to 10. This is, this is the question that so many of us have. Sooner than your pots can feel, can feel the heat of the greener blaze, may, may he weep them away. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked. When will the wicked be judged? Sooner than we think, but not as fast as I want. Just the way it is. This is a definite statement that the judgment, judgment will come upon and vindication for the righteous. 
It may take some time, but the way the way of the righteous will be seen, seen as as godly. Godly. The message is clear. The plans of the wicked of the wicked will ultimately to failure. They may they may not be a lifetime. But when they stand before the Lord, the judge of all, their wickedness, wickedness will come to an end. Then 11, that's the moral of the story. Mankind will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. On earth. The reward will come to the righteous. It may not come in this world. But that's when I want it to, to come, right? I want to see my vindication now. I want to know that, I, that my righteous, righteous life and all the that I face has been worth it. Well, it may. I'm, I'm going to say it won't. Okay, okay. But in the end, the long-term look for the Christian life, life the wicked price, the righteous, the righteous stand Lord redeemed. Yes, Despots are eventually overthrown, but usually by other despots. Other despot, okay? Corrupt elected officials are sometimes sent to prison for their deeds. Sometimes they're re-elected, and they get re-elected again, again, and again. Many benefit from, from corrupt facing the consequences, and here we are, we are. The Church of Christ, Church of Jesus Christ, trying to live out a godly life. And we get further pushed out on the edges, the edges of society. But yet, but yet... We stand firm on what is right, right, and what is true. Commands, even even in an increased diminished role within society, society, that we stand on what is right. So oddly enough, I'm going to turn to a politician for some wisdom on this issue. He was a politician a while back. You'll know his name, Chuck Colson of Watergate fame. And then he went to went to prison. While in prison, became a believer. And when he came out of prison. Founded, founded, known as Fellowship. Colson was known for his confidence in the resurrection of Christ. I'm going to quote here. He says, I, I know the resurrection fact, and water, and water gave it to me. Which is very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. How? Because 12, because 12 men testified had seen Jesus raised from the, from the dead. When they proclaimed that truth for 40, 40 years, never once did dang it. Every one, every one of them was beaten, torn, and put in prison, prison, yet they would have endured it if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, world keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could, apostles could keep 40 years? That's impossible. Now Chuck Colson, who, who was a believer, was asked, asked to address ethics, ethics, Harvard Business School. And in his speech, in his talk to the, to the Harvard Business School, he said, even the most rational approach to, approach to ethics is defenseless if there, if there isn't the will to what is right. On my own, I do not will. That which I want to do, I do not do. That which I do, I do not want to do. I think he's quoting Paul there. It is only when I can turn to the one whom we celebrate at Easter the one who is raised from the, from the dead, that I can find the will to do what is right. It's only when that value, value and that sense of righteousness pervade a society that there can be a moral consensus. He said the same th- thing that added, same thing that Madison, Madison said. You can't govern, can't govern an immoral people. Leaders, secular or in the church, have a responsibility first and foremost to the Lord. He's the one's kings on the throne. 
He, he's the one that put magistrates in their, off, their office. We might say elect them, but ultimately he is sovereign and he determines those, determines those things. The promise of the Lord is sure, sure. Those who fail to act justly will be destroyed. Those who, those who act will be vindicated. This may take some time for it to happen. So, so let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and there are some things we don't particularly like here. Particularly like here. We, as, as righteous, whose lives have been, have been changed by Christ, or, uh, attempting to live, to live holy lives, we'd like, we'd like to see the vision of that in our lifetime. We may see it in small, in small portions. We may see it in large ways. We will see it when we stand before you and you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into the rest that's, that has been prepared for you. Come into the place Christ has given his life and his life secure for you. Lord, and we often grow frustrated at, at the success of the unrighteous. The ungodly leader, the unjust, the ones who pursue things that are things that are against your word. And they find success in this world. Lord, we pray that we might rest in you. For sure promises about destruction of the wicked. Lord, we would much rather see their hearts changed by, changed by the grace of Christ than their destruction. We would much rather see uh, a great testimony of their salvation and their change of, of heart and life, life, conform with your word. But Lord, whether you revive them or, re, or remove them, we entrust them into your hands. We, we pray for the decision of the wicked, but we pray that you do it in your permitting and help us to understand that. We pray, we pray these things in Christ's name. In the same manner of Psalm 58, a, a hymn tune is uh, depicted for you that we will be singing this, this hymn that is written in your worship folder, Give to, the, Give to the Wind Your Fears. Let's all stand as we sing and reflect on Psalm 58. Give to the winds your fears, hope up and be undismayed. God hears your sighs and counts your tears, but shall lift up, up your head. Through, through waves and clouds and storms, he gently clears the way. Wait for him, so shall the light soon and enjoy our Still heavy is your heart, still sink your spirits down. Cast off the weight, let fear depart, and every care be gone. Yeah. 
of our Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ on you as you go from here. As you would pray in your heart for the salvation of those who lead us, for the salvation and repentance that they would turn from any wickedness, wickedness, and selfishness and pursue the things of Christ, that the Lord would come upon them in a fat way for, for a complete turn. The Lord, that you would Stay, stay your, your hand that righteousness, righteousness may prevail. Heavenly Father, send, Father, send us out. We in our own lives would pursue, would pursue that righteousness and holy godliness would prevail in our lives so that we might be the light, be the light unto those who called us to influence. Send us out, Lord. Make your face to shine upon us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.